Welcome to Life Quest Liberty, live in-depth conversations with today's top writers, editors, and spiritual leaders concerning religious freedom around the world. On today's broadcast, we'll examine local and international factors that may be impacting your right to worship and obey God as your conscience dictates. I'm your Life Quest Liberty host, Charles Mills. What's your agenda? That's a question we should be asking not only ourselves, but our leaders, our fellow church members, our friends, our family, and if we're honestly seeking truth, our God. What's your agenda? Why are you doing what you're doing? Today, I'm going to put that question to Alan Reinach, Executive Director of the Church State Council, which is the Religious Liberty Education and Advocacy arm of the Pacific Union of Seventh-day Adventists. He's based in Westlake Village, California. Alan is also a writer and radio show host. His program is called Freedom's Ring. Alan Reinach, welcome to LifeQuest Liberty. It's a pleasure to be with you, Charles. Okay, here goes. Alan, you're on the front lines of the fight to keep religious liberty intact in this country. You advocate for the rights of individuals, both in the workplace and in the social strata. So let me ask you point blank, Alan Reinick, what's your agenda? The integrity of the gospel and the character of Jesus Christ. That has to be number one always. Now, the first thing that people are going to say is, okay, Alan, the integrity of the gospel. The gospel's open for interpretation. The integrity of the gospel can be anything we want it to be based on my own personal experience. What do you say to that? You know, you can interpret the stone walls of a church mm-hmm. any way you want, but if you stumble and hit your head against it, it's going to hurt. Yes. You know, yes. The, the reality of the Bible is the Bible is truth, and there's only one gospel. Paul warned us against following any other gospel. So, yeah, there may be lots of variations and beliefs about Jesus and about salvation, but, you know, the central teaching of the gospel is grace, is that you and I don't deserve to live forever. We are all sinners, and Jesus died and paid the penalty for our sins so that we can be forgiven. We are forgiven. And when we accept that, we already have eternal life. That's the simplest way I can express the gospel. And grace is the central aspect of it. Uh, And grace is what the church is abandoning here in America today. Oh, the church is abandoning grace. How are they doing that? What are you seeing that says to you, hey, grace is going bye-bye? The church has traded its birthright of grace for a mess of political power. The Church has become drunk with the pursuit of power, and it has succeeded beyond perhaps its wildest dreams in obtaining power, because representatives of conservative Protestant and Catholics are at the seat of power in the most important positions in our government. So we want to make it clear that when you say the church, you're not talking about the Adventist church or the Catholic church or the Methodist church. You're talking about a group of people corporately who are trying to be Christians. Am I right in saying that? Sure. I mean, the church in the broadest sense is the entire community is not limited to one denomination. Mm -hmm. It may have been in our quaint history that various denominations may have felt that they were the only true church or the only ones. But the fact is that Jesus has his sincere followers in many, many different denominations. 
And, you know, all of us represent ourselves in the public arena as being Christian, as being the church. So in the broadest sense of the word, the American church is dedicated to the pursuit of political power, and it doesn't care who gets hurt in the process. Has this world been here before? Can you give us examples from the, from the past, from history, where this very thing has happened, and how did that turn out? Well, yes. In fact, it's really the history of the Christian Church for many centuries. At the decline of the Roman Empire, the Church really became the stable power in Europe with varying degrees of of rise and fall through the centuries, but really until the era of the Enlightenment, the Church exercised an enormous degree of political power right up until the French Revolution. Why is it, Alan Reinick, that a church, a church body, whether it is uh, an individual church like the Lutherans or the Methodists or the Adventists, a church who preaches love and God and forgiveness and salvation, what happens to them when they get in power that causes such a mess that history shows us, and you say we're aiming for the same mess today? What changes them? Power corrupts. In the Old Testament, you have priests and you have prophets. Yes. The prophets were the ones who had no power, and they had nothing to lose, and they spoke the truth of God forcefully to the status quo. Mm -hmm. The priests were the status quo. And what we now have is the Church becoming a priestly class, becoming the status quo Mm -hmm. in a very oppressive manner. I was going to say, Alan, that does not give me a lot of encouragement, because we know what happened to a lot of the prophets back then. Well, that's true. You know, the, the straight testimony of the prophets was unwelcome to the status quo. Because, look, the role of the Church is not to legislate its moral vision. The moral standards and vision of the Church is always going to be higher than that of society, and the role of the Church is to call the society to a higher standard, but not to impose it by force of law. That's where we make the mistake. It's not that there's something wrong with the Church articulating a staunchly pro-life, anti-abortion ethos. It's right for the Church to do that. What's wrong is when the Church then seeks power to enact harshly restrictive abortion laws Mm. uh, and, and uses, instead of its moral influence, uses its power to coerce moral behavior. Jesus doesn't coerce moral behavior. Okay, well then let's step back just for a minute here. You said at the very beginning that the integrity of the gospel and the love of God should be the agenda of us. We're taking the integrity of the gospel and turning it into a club. Uh, We're talking about the kind of club you knock someone over the head with. We're taking the love and sacrifice of Christ and making it a a weapon almost. If you don't do this, you will be lost. We will make sure that you are lost and you will never see heaven. So the integrity and the salvation and the love of God is being corrupted, you say, because of the power, which leaves us to this. If that is the agenda of the Christian church these days, what should be the agenda 
of someone like you, someone like me, someone like the listeners who are tuning into this program today, what should be our agenda? How on earth, Alan Reinick, do we fight against that? I can't answer that question without doing something else first, Charles. Okay. I'm not, I'm not going to avoid the question. Okay. But those of us who inhabit a Christian world and worldview are not necessarily in touch with how people outside of our circle view the church. That's true. That's okay? true. Yeah. So, you know, we see Jesus, friend of sinners, meek and mild, the way we see him and we're taught in cradle roll, in Bible classes, you know, the way we read in the Bible, sure. we see Jesus in a very positive light. Yeah. But in today's politics, where Christianity has been wedded to a very conservative politics, the rhetoric of that politics is very harsh to Muslims, to immigrants, to members of the LGBT community. So those outside of the Christian community, they look at the association of the church with that political rhetoric and the politics of that, and they see Jesus the bigot, Jesus the hater, Jesus the exclusive it reminds them of the Jesus of the American South, of slavery, of Jim Crow, of racism against blacks, and they see this of a peace. Now, I grant you, and, and I need to make this clear, I doubt very much that there are many of our listeners who listening to me are going to say, well, you know, yeah, I'm a racist, I'm a white nationalist. No, we don't see ourselves that way. Very, very few of us are going to identify like that, right? Yeah. But the problem is we become identified because of the politics of the church. Regardless of what's in our hearts, that's how people perceive the church, and that's how people perceive Jesus. So now to your question, how do we explode that stereotype, if you will? How do we help people to see that Jesus is not a bigot, He's not a hater. You know, how do we separate Jesus from this? And the best answer that I've been able to come up with is found in Matthew 25. Matthew 25, in the parable Jesus tells of the judgment, the parable of the sheep and the goats, Jesus says that those who are on the right side of the judgment, who will be in the kingdom, are those who've given a cup of cold water to the thirsty, who fed the hungry, clothed the naked, welcomed the stranger. And when they did that, unbeknownst to them, they were doing it to Jesus. And that's how he told the parable. The problem is, for us, you know, 2,000 years later, we've already read the end of the story. Yes. So we're not in ignorance. We now know that the person that we either give the cup of cold water to or don't give it to, that's Jesus. Mm -hmm. The message for us, I think, as Christians is, you know, if we're going to represent the Jesus that we've come to know and love, then we need to learn to see Jesus in others, others who believe differently, who have different values, who may have different socioeconomic or racial or national origin, you know, different status, whatever they are, if we learn to see Jesus in them and treat them like Jesus, then 
I believe they'll have a chance to get a glimmer of Jesus in us. Because the bottom line is, our calling as Christians is to reveal Christ to those who don't know him. Oh, that is beautiful. Alan Reinick, Executive Director of the Church-State Council, which is the Religious Liberty Education and Advocacy arm of the Pacific Union of Seventh-day Adventists. He's talking to us from Westlake Village. Alan, you mentioned before the program to me a website, churchstate.org. What can people find when they go there? Lots of information if you need legal services dealing with religious discrimination and all kinds of religious issues, because that's our legal services arm, and a variety of other resources, including if you're interested in in church-state issues and learning about them. All right, very good, churchstate.org. Alan, you have given a beautiful truth. Not only should the world see Jesus in us, we should see Jesus in them. Everyone we see, everyone we look at, Jesus is there waiting for that cup of water, for that visit, for that healing touch. And listener, until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Alan Reinach inviting you to rest in the freedom of God's love. Goodbye, everyone. If you'd like more information about LifeQuest Liberty, call 443-391-7258 or email us through our website at libertymagazine.org. Join us again next week at this same time as we examine more of the threats and challenges facing your religious freedom. May God keep the flames of liberty burning in your heart today. <laughs>